Yes, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with we. My name is EJ, and I got my mans. <laughs> MH. Yes, yes, he's a DB of the show, man. We are Black in Sports, having fun already, all right? We're giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. Here interviewing the best professionals in the game and in the boardroom. Covering it all, already laughing at it all, while providing a platform to be heard. So you know what we do around this time. We welcome our guests. So we're going to go full circle tonight, all right? So... From CEO to managing partner of Aspire U, then his day job is director of alumni relations for our Las Vegas Raiders. We have Devin Lewis Buchanan in the house. Let's clap it up for him, clap it up for him, clap it up for him. Yes, yes. So thank you, man, for stopping in. We're about to get right to it. So how we started off, man, is a shoot your shot moment, man. This is where you went for it all, you know, bet it on yourself and say, yo, I'm going to go do this, win or lose. So you can give us a success story. You can give us when you fumbled the ball. Go for it. Ooh. Man, uh, so many stories in that, <laughs> in that, in that category. Uh, I'll say um, just being where I am today and kind of how that started. So uh, I, I guess I'll have to go back to my Raging Cajun days and shout out to the to the Raging Cajuns. Yeah, uh, we, you know we got them on right now for you in the <laughs> studio so you can so you peek over at them now and then. Absolutely. Um, you know, at, during my time there, I was, uh, you know, blessed to get a scholarship offer. And uh, it was the only scholarship that I received. Uh, to go to the University of Louisiana, I had no idea what where the school was or what the school even was. And uh, you know, when they came and recruited me at the time, all I knew it was D1, and I knew that's what I wanted to wanted to do. So, uh, wind up going there, playing four years, two year starter, uh, team captain, and uh, going into my senior year, you know, we had a brand new coaching staff, and you know, we were picked last in the well to finish last in the country okay. um, amongst pretty much all the schools and everything. And so uh, we wound up going on a run, uh, had a pretty decent season, uh, wound up going to the first bowl game in school history. All right. And so we get to the bowl game, and at the time, in my mind, I'm like, okay, you know, they had me at at the time like fifth to seventh round draft pick and all these different things. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is the money game. Absolutely. We we get to the field. uh, We're playing in New Orleans uh, at the Superdome. And I could just remember walking on the field, I get there, I stand on like the 50-yard line, and there was just like this voice that said, take it all in, right? So I'm like, oh, okay, this is the game. Like, is I, you know what I mean? I'm in the zone, I'm locked in, mm-hmm. and 10 minutes later, like I'm on the ground, and my knee is dislocated oh. after my teammates fell on my leg. Oh. Uh, pre-game warm-ups. This is warm-ups. <laughs> warm-ups. Oh. And so, um, you know, I get to the locker room just trying to figure out what's going on with my leg, and pretty much I just had to, had to just make – you know, just take it for what it was. I couldn't play. I uh, couldn't run, couldn't do anything. And so I had to sit there and watch that game. And uh, we wind up winning the game, you know, and that was, of course, big for the program. But, right. You know, obviously after everything kind of settled, it, it, reality kind of sunk in. And yeah. I was just like, well, man, what, yeah, what do I do now? Right? Absolutely. That's a that's a tough one. Yeah. That's a <laughs> it's life. It's life. <laughs> that's life. Right? Yeah. And, you know, we, we, we get these uh, chances at adversity whether we want them or not, right? And it's just how we respond to them. So, Absolutely. wow. Devin, take me back to young Devin. Uh, where did the foundation for sports start, your love for sports? Oh, man. Uh, my fourth birthday, 
uh, my mom. The fourth one, huh? Fourth birthday. Okay. I still remember I have a picture of it. Uh, my mom bought me a football. Um, at the time, I was living in New York, and so nobody around me played football. Everybody was basketball fans. Um, <laughs> so I was born in Brooklyn, and, you know, all my cousins and everything growing up, of course, they were always at the, the park playing basketball. And, you know, when she bought me that football, it was just something that it just connected. You know what I mean? And so that was probably, like, my earliest memory that I could think of for the sport. I didn't know what the sport even meant. I just knew that ball meant something That's to me, me right? Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, four years old. How yeah. long are you in uh, Brooklyn? I stayed in Brooklyn until I was five, and then we moved to West Palm uh, okay. in Florida. And so, yeah, relocated at five. You had a lot of brothers and sisters, right? One of yeah. six? One of six, yeah. Second oldest. Uh, you know, my mom was a single parent. She was. She's also a social worker, so that's okay. kind of where I, there you I go. get okay. a little of that foundation from. Okay. Um, and I, I say she groomed me to be a social worker in a, in a way because she just seemed to always talk about her cases with me or something. I, I think <laughs> that was her way of reinforcing, like, you know, I'm dealing with this kid who's locked up right now. And, yeah. like, you know, hey, this is the direction you don't take. So. You don't. Right, right, right. right. What so, not to do. Right. So that was uh, definitely a part of my, my upbringing. <laughs> is there any other sports that you played or football was just the one? Oh, man, I played everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did a little track. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a burner, but, you know. All right. Yep. So let's <laughs> so, stop yeah, there. Went, anytime track. So, <laughs> yeah. What's, I, your, I, what's your events? What, what's, what's your events? So I, I would do the 200. Okay. I would do the four by one. And then uh, it's kind of funny. So one of my one of my track teammates and football teammates is actually uh, his name is Tony McQuay, okay. and actually he ran for the Olympics and won gold on the four by four team. Okay. Um, at the Jeez. 2016, I believe Olympics. Okay. So when we were in high school, um, I was old. I was one year older than him, but you mm-hmm. know, if ever he had too many events to run, they would make me run in his place. And so he's the <laughs> he's the fastest dude in the county. And they'll just plug me in like you get lane four, hop in 400. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, coach, um, I think I got four more races or whatever. I'm trying to just get out of it. And, man, I would run that race for him, uh. come in dead last. <laughs> and everybody would be like, man, why he got lane four? That's funny. He, he not going to like this, but I beat him once. He, he ain't going to like that, but I beat him once in the race. He ain't gonna like it. we stayed after practice. We was in full, full pass. Uh-huh. And I beat him in a in a straight up sixty yard dash. Yeah. <laughs> the sixty sixty yard. Was dash. he hurting or? <laughs> it's funny because that whole weekend he would just text me like, "Hey, bro, we got a race. We got a race." And then <laughs> we got back to school on Monday and he he burnt me by at least five ten yards. So. I don't That's know what funny. it was that day, but I got I got one. Yeah, he's still thinking about shooting the <laughs> Olympics, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, Suncoast Chargers—that was the high school you went to, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, um, talk to us about kind of just that element of the school because it's going through some changes. So, was it um, Suncoast when you went there, or because it was it became like a charter magnet school, right? Um, so the school when I when I got there, man, it was a it was a very I mean, academically, it was a, a very, very good school. It was up uh, there, right? Prestigious yeah, school. Like, prestigious I mean, school. like, looking for top rankings. Like, they, like, they're kind of school to like, hey, we was number eight. We're, we're shooting right. number three. I think we, <laughs> my senior year, we were ranked third in the nation. There you go. For, I think it was like students who were completing coursework and how many college credits they had uh, acquired. Attained already. Wow. Right. So I was going to, like, the valedictorian at school was like a 5.7 GPA. Like it was, now hold on. It was ridiculous. <laughs> what kind of yeah. scale is that? <laughs> I, they, they took those weighted, you Absolutely. know, college course credits. And so I think you had to be in the top 100, you had to have a 4.0. Like wow. It, it, was, it was crazy. Yeah. 
Um, I was in the bottom ten uh, <laughs> of my of my graduating class. Uh, I should have been a junior in high school. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, yeah. you know, the reason I went to the school actually was um. You know, I was just inspired by uh, Devin Hester. Yeah. You know? So definitely going to ask him, right? Yeah. yeah. Definitely yeah. notable alumni from the school. Yeah, absolutely. So um, he was a track guy, too, like more so. <laughs> he, he got everything. <laughs> He's got everything, yeah, right? He got Did he hoop? Uh, pro- he probably they probably wouldn't let him. Um, uh, right. Because, you know, with track season and everything. But, man, just, uh, I mean, athlete, legend, legendary. Yeah. So you played safety. <laughs> safety <laughs> in high school right mm-hmm. so how was that you know i mean i guess that's that speed that you you were locking when you beat your boy <laughs> in the Man, 60 yard huh i, I mean to be honest so I'll, I'll take you to my uncle's days my uncle's days are very different from the Devin heston days, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got let, let's say that so uh, pretty much after one of the principals like changed uh guards we had a principal who was all academic she didn't care any but anything about you know kids that were growing up in the area because right a lot of the kids that we were getting, you know, were being bused from all these different places. So it kind of took away the the history of the school where, you know, it was really in a, in a growing up in a, it's a, a adverse environment. And so when you took those kids out, they would bust those kids to like other schools that wind up going to state and, and things like that, like a Dwyer high school and Palm Beach Lakes high school and stuff like that. So okay. um, it was interesting when I got there, uh, I think my freshman year, we had a decent, varsity team and so I wind up moving up to the varsity team in the back end but once I got in I, everybody either transferred or they got kicked out mm. right so it gets to probably my senior year I'm probably the fourth biggest person on the team at 180 wow. right like I was the quarterback on offense <laughs> I was the tight end when we needed to complete a pass <laughs> uh you know they called I you slash man. everything I mean I, I think I played every position except for offensive line and defensive tackle Started a game in every position in high school. Special yeah. teams, everything. Everything. Turning right. kicks. Returning kicks <laughs> was the slowest returner that, you know, that they'll, they'll tell you that. I had a little speed. I ain't going to lie. But did you, did you kick punts and field goals? I, we, we always had a kicker. That's the, that's the, the part. Like, we had a kicker. Like, that was the one position that we could line we up and, lock, and huh? man for man. We could go, you know, with the kicking game. But position-wise, yeah, we didn't, we didn't have those athletes, man. That's what's up. Yeah. So the recruiting process, how did that uh, how did that work for you? Oh man, uh, I won. So <laughs> in those four years, I won five games. Oh, in four years. That's yeah, um, my senior year, we 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 doubled up, so we won two games. <laughs> um, and going into the recruiting, the recruiting aspect, like that was something that you know in my mind it was like I always knew, like I had this, like as a kid, I had a clear vision that I was going to play football in college. Like it was just so clear i would save all of like you know when teams used to have those media guys mm-hmm. i still have them to this day i had media guys just saving i was like memorize these guys names and their mom's names and mm-hmm. like, all this stuff just because I, I visualized myself doing that mm-hmm. and so my senior year comes around uh and you know season passes by no no offers no you know interest or anything i'm just getting those you know mailers right yeah. and uh my coach at the time he was he was a young coach and um, probably ten years older than me. And there was an all star game, and they didn't have me pick for this all star game. But he shows up to like the the picking the player ceremony, yeah. kind of like the draft. And you know he just just maneuvers his way in there and just starts <laughs> to you know give the gab. He just starts to talk and he was like, "Listen, I got one kid. If y'all could get him in this game, we're good." And so I was the last person selected for that all star game, and I go to practice. 
And I mean, I looked the part. Don't 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 get it twisted. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I if you if you saw me from a distance, you're like, hold on, who who is that kid? You know, right? he, he had that getting off the bus I look. Mean, right? I could, listen, I, I could fill out a uniform, all the stuff that you look for in a, in a young, you know, athletic kid that you can kind of just try to find a position for. Right. And so I go to the All Star game. I'm playing safety, and uh, the coach from the Raging Cajuns, his name was Brian Jenkins at the time. Uh, he comes in and he's talking with my coach, and they're frat brothers. Okay. You know, they're part of the same fraternity. They're both uh, Omega uh, Q, Q, you know, some Q. So they're talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they're talking back <laughs> <Shimmy> and forth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're having a conversation, and he's, like, pointing at me, like, yeah, hey, who's this kid? Who's this kid? And my coach is like, hey, that's one of mine. Right. And so, uh, you know, my coach, he was taking me back and forth to practice. So on the drive home, he's telling me, like, hey, this coach is kind of showing interest. And at the time, I was like, hey, man, a bunch of guys that came to the school and said the same thing. And – uh he actually comes to the school the next day. And I remember I, this is when we had to make our highlight tapes. Like this, this is, yeah, this right. is right before. Right. Yeah. This is, I was in between the huddle and the, you know, so it was yeah. like right in that, in that, in that area. And so making my highlight tape during lunch and stuff like that. And so he pops in the tape and watches like five plays and was like, Hey, I'm gonna offer this guy a scholarship. Oh, wow. And you know, I'm sitting in the, in the locker room and my coach is having a meeting with him. And then when he walks out, he tells me, and I'm just like, I don't even, respond he's like like hey i'm giving you a scholarship but i'm just like hey listen until i signed the paper (laughs) it ain't real right it's not real and you know uh wind up going on my visit um you know they ask you like hey you 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 can't take any more visits if you commit or whatever i'm like listen i don't have no options so y'all got me you know if y'all want me so and that was it i wind up signing with uh with the raging cajuns that's awesome yeah so um like you said you kind of let off with the shot moment that um you know, you went there and just kind of really received a, a certain level of success. What was it like going back? You know, you definitely showed a video going back to to see your alma mater. Man, uh, that was uh, that was one of those moments that I uh, I don't know. Like I always have this strong. Uh, for me, it was just always like seeing things before they happen. It's okay, not, it, it was just always like preparing your mind for something that that may be to come. And so I always had this idea that I was going to go back and tell my story. All right. And, I, you know, of course, I always kind of have the time frames mixed up because, I, you know, I'm not in control of that. So I always thought it was like going to be years down the road. Right. And when they uh, invited me to come back and just, you know, speak to uh, the, the players there about what it is about being a Raging Cajun, like what is the culture about? And for me, being a guy who grew up in South Florida and not, you know, knowing about the Raging Cajuns, not having no idea before I got there, mm-hmm. you know, that, that to me just spoke volumes because it was like to get a guy who's out of state to come back and talk about, you know, what it is that this program represents that to me was like, you know, uh, it was powerful. And so to be able to speak to that and, uh, you know, tell the guys some stories and, you know, also some of the guys that I played with are, we're on the coaching staff now. So, you know, it was cool to be able to kind of have that experience and, you know, now to see the success that the program has sustained. Um, and it was really all from my senior year, pretty much from there, just changed the course of the whole program. That's amazing. You know, so trailblazer. That's all. (laughs) And so, it's always different when you go back, right? You're like, man, hold on. We had these <laughs> when I was going man, there, we, right? We were sharing socks, man. Like, <laughs> Champion jersey. Yeah, man. It, we had Russell, you know, like, they, they, hey, they, they, they got it made now. But, right, you know, right. that was that was the conversations that we would have in the locker rooms. Like, hey, when we come back, it should look different. You know right. what I mean? And to and go back is. and see the new facility. And, I mean, they have one of the best facilities in the country. 
mm-hmm. right? And then, so to go back and see him, was like, man, we used to share ice tubs. Now they got the pool in the ground thing. You know, it, it's amazing was, to see. These young kids, man, they got these. <laughs> I had to backpedal in New Balances. That's right. what we had, man. It's like, come on. I can't backpedal in these New Balances. <laughs> There's receivers wearing Nikes. I got New right. Balances on. <laughs> so what was your game? Describe your game for me. What was your game like? Man, like on the field? Yeah, your style. Man, I would say it was all about energy and and passion. I mean, honestly, that's that's the only way I knew how to play the game. It was I, – I was never, you know – they they had me at linebacker. So when I got to Lafayette, I was at linebacker. Right. Okay. They I was I started off at safety, but when I got there, I probably gained 15 pounds in that summer. And <laughs> that everybody freshman, that freshman 15. That freshman, everybody wore me. They said, "Hey, they gonna move you to linebacker." I said, "Nah, nah I'm, I'm nah, Sean nah, Taylor. Guys. I'm Sean Taylor. I'm Sean Taylor. They wore a the big safety." <laughs> Week five of, of my freshman year, I wind up being a linebacker meetings, and I'm like. Oh, this just for this game, right, right. Coach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The situational. This is a package. Check it out. This is a package. <laughs> so this is a package for you to get on the field as a freshman. Oh, I, I never saw the back back end again. So, you know, for me, it was like, all right, if I'm gonna be a small linebacker, and and it's funny because like, I was resisting gaining weight. I was resisting everything because <laughs> I I had hopes that they would put me back at safety. I was just waiting for that day. They were like, hey, man, you you two fifteen, we'll put you back there. Nice. And so I had to play the game as a as a smaller linebacker, but. You know, I just utilized what I had. It was really just instinctual, um, being able to just go out there. And, and I knew that guys feed it off my energy. So I, I always remembered, like, if I make a play, if I don't celebrate, everybody's looking at me like. What's up? Right. They're like, oh, okay. Like, we in the game. But if I'm, you know, they like, okay, well, I got to make a play because, you know, I'm, I'm coming to celebrate with you. So <laughs> I would say that was ma- majority of my game was really just based on passion. And then, you know, as I got older as a player, I started to study the game more, but. I'm not going to lie, like I was a film addict. I I would get the game tape, you know, look at it a little bit, maybe the day before the game, but it was just one of those things where it was just like as long as I felt in control of what I can control, right. then I felt like I could make plays. They, they didn't put a neck roll on you or anything like that when they man, brought you up. Nah, they, I, the thing was, man, I, I kept my DB swag. Yeah. Man. I couldn't, they, you, you couldn't convert me into the linebacker. Like, I, I'll do everything, but you know what I mean? So, That's too funny. Yeah, I, I kept I had to keep my, my swag going, you know. <laughs> so really switching it up just because I just thought this was dope and it was important. So um, you had a chance recently to go back to Jamaica mm-hmm. and that's like uh, the root of like your family. Yeah. And it was the first time you had yeah. ever went. So tell me where that come from, what that experience was like. So uh, this year for me was just, you know, the beginning of the year, I turned 30, you know, in January. And so, Every year that kind of comes around in January, I always think like, okay, this I, I don't do New Year's resolutions and all that stuff. I but kinda, it's a reset, though. Right? right. It's like when my birthday comes around, it's like, hey, man, you got another year to get better. You know when, what when's, mean? Your, when's your birthday, by the way? January 12th. Yeah. January 1st. Nice. Like, see, I knew, I knew he was out man. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, <laughs> Capricorn. Capricorn. Yeah. Oh, there y'all go. Hey, man, yeah, you go. Know. That's that smooth. It, you that's know all I mean? it is. That's all it is. Yeah. You know? Continue, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... You know, I I always wanted to go back to Jamaica. I always wanted to visit, and uh-huh. I just it just never was the right time, I guess, for me because it seemed like every time that something was coming up, I had something else to do. So, you know, for me, planning that trip, um, you know, I got to go. My grandmother was there. That's awesome. Um, that cool. You know, my, my I had two of my siblings with me, and so you know, we got a chance to to meet. You know our family that we had never met before you Dang, know, have man. conversations. I met my grandfather for the first time. Wow. Wow. You know, he, uh, he 
actually when when my mom moved to america he wound up moving to venezuela right and he's not spanish speaking or anything like he's just a jamaican guy he's in the middle of venezuela but he wound up getting stuck over there because of the political stuff that was going there so he wound up being there for 40 years whoa uh last year was the first year that we actually got him back in jamaica so you know getting to meet him and you know just the excitement on his face when he met his grandkids for the first time i think that was something that i'll never forget wow yeah so going to transition man we want to get into the career and we may pop back and, and ask some other things but um so you talked about the injury, mm-hmm. right? And you fought through that injury, yeah. and you had, you did have, some, because being a high-ranking or you know scouted as you know an NFL draft, prospect, draft, a draft prospect. pick, mm-hmm. you know, you you fought back. Yeah. So you actually had a tryout with one of the teams, but I'll let you kind of <laughs> tell that story and then transition into where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I had three months from the time I got injured to perform at my pro day, and that was like a window coming off a dislocated kneecap. Luckily, I didn't tear anything. It was this smooth dislocation. Mm -hmm. And they said they had never seen like a dislocation like that where you could just pop it back back in, right? And so I started training and everything, and then I just felt comfortable. I was like, hey, you know, you just got to give it one more try. And uh, went out there, and it's funny because I I had a pro day like no other. The day before my pro day, I walk into our, our, uh, our indoor facility, and there's a guy standing there and everybody's surrounding him. I'm like, who is this? I walk up to the guys, Daryl Green, right? Wow. You know, Hall of Fame, that's, defensive back for the Red, Washington Red, that's well, crazy. Washington five, full, <laughs> football <laughs> team. Right? Yeah. So Daryl Green's in there and I walk up and I'm like, you know, just looking at him and he's like, hey, how you doing? I'm Deion Sanders. And I'm like, man, you, you Daryl Green, man. You know, so and mama, I'm like, what is Daryl Green doing in Lafayette, Louisiana? Um, so it turns out his son was actually at Southern. And his son was uh, going to do his pro day with us right. since, you know, mm-hmm. all the scouts are going to be there. So right. um, I'm getting ready to work out for my pro day. And, you know, I'm putting on my cleats and just trying to do some, you know, warm-ups. And he just walks over to me and was just like, hey, put your cleats on. I want to see something. Like, I just want you to, you know, show me what you got. And at the time, like, it's a longer story, but I'll give you the abbreviated version. So in the span of a week, I lost, like, 12 pounds, mm-hmm. right? due to some 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 life situations that were going on, sure. you know, and I went from 230 to like 218 in mm. a week. Okay. And so I was going to try out as a linebacker for the for the scouts, but then when I lost that weight, it was just like, hey, you got to play safety. safety. And so I really hadn't prepared to backpedal cuz I'm still coming off of a knee. Right. And uh, you know, me and him we just working out and he's just like just teaching me about confidence. He was like, "Listen, man, when you walk into this indoor, I want you to act like you're going to hit your head on the top of the on top of the door." Just the head high. You know what I mean? Gone. He's like, just just be confident. He was mm-hmm. like, I don't care if you go out there and fall on your face, but just be confident. And so I go out there the next day. Um, the biggest thing was the 40. I, I just wanted to run fast. So, I'm, you know, I, I, I kind of cheated. I put some track spikes on. I ain't cheating. <laughs> on the turf. Hell no. <laughs> you know, they they didn't know. <laughs> but I, I had some track spikes <laughs> on all of them. And, you know, I wound up running uh, four or five flat. And then uh, okay. I think my second time was four five four. Okay. So, you know, I, I – didn't really I never really timed myself past probably my freshman year so to kind of run a fast time with the scouts I was like all right that's decent you know and then we did the pro day and everything went well and uh ultimately I'm thinking all right maybe something will come up from the draft day so the only team that uh actually spoke to me at the at the pro day was the Raiders and so uh gentleman named Calvin Branch uh yep and so uh (laughs) it's funny because I I still have his card in my wallet. I kept this card in my wallet for eight years. Wow. Yeah. So 
Calvin came in and uh, he gave me his card and he was he sat me down. I did the wonder lick and everything in the hallway and I'm like, okay, I'm you know the That's Raiders. Crazy. I'm like, yo, right, yeah, the Raiders. <laughs> and so draft day goes and comes and goes, no call, <laughs> right? You know, I'm thinking, all right, free agent, you know, I'll at least be a free agent, right? No call. Um, and then I get to the week of my graduation and so I'm like, all right, well, at least I'm graduating, you know. And that, in my mind, I'm like, well, you know, I can't I can't complain about no opportunities given. And I get a call the week of my graduation, and it was from somebody with the Raiders, and they were like, hey, listen, we want to fly you out for rookie uh, training camp, uh, tryouts. And I'm like, okay. And That's I was dope. like, but uh, I got graduation Appreciate on Saturday, it. right? <laughs> and they were like, so you want to play in the NFL or you want to walk? <laughs> right. And I'm like, uh, I'll, I'll be there. Just send a flight and everything and, you know, fly out to, to Oakland at the time. And, you know, was there for, for three days. Uh, got a chance to meet Willie Brown. Um, that was the highlight of, of that trip, man. Just, you know, yeah, man. Uh, just a genuine dude. He was that rookie train. Like, I would never think that a, a Hall of Fame guy like that would be at rookie training camp right. or rookie tryouts. And so to see him there, he comes in the locker room. He's like, you know, going around the DBs and he's like asking guys like, you know, who am I? <laughs> All right, and these guys like, I mean, they looking at him like, could like nobody could even, could even guess. And I'm like. I looked at his face and he got down like in a little position, like in a little crouch. And I said, man, you Willie Brown. <laughs> and he looks at me, he was like, shh, don't tell anybody else. Right. right. And, um, you know, to me that just stuck out from that whole experience, but you know, it hurt, you know, getting cut pretty much. They brought us all in the auditorium and it was 80 guys fighting for eight spots. And, wow. you know, after I realized that I wasn't going to be there on the first day, uh, I just, you know, finished out my, my, uh, my tryout. And, you know, once it was over, it was over, but you know, I definitely was, I always felt, you know, connected to the Raiders after that tryout. And, you know, it was, it was just a part of, you know, my experience. And so I always kind of kept that, you know, that, that relationship with the organization where I always kind of rooted for them, even though I wasn't a, a fan, a lifelong fan, but I just kind of always had that respect that they gave me opportunity. And a connection. Yeah. So brings you to present day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now you work for the Raiders. <laughs> yeah. And in your capacity, so you, you know, are a social worker by – education by yep. trade um but you work in the alumni relations so yep. let's knock off the stigmas let's start with the yeah. stigmas first right right <laughs> let's talk about how many stigmas there are for mental health being a black man and mental health and yeah. just how you've even athlete athlete all, yeah. all that <laughs> and then how like people think a social worker they're like oh you don't take somebody's kids like right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah. how are you peeling back those layers of fighting is that an educational part and a part of your role I mean, for me, it was like, it was, it was like a personal thing for me. Like, you know, when I got in the field, that was my first job out of college. I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh -huh. I was looking for something, you know, cause I was expecting a son and I was like, you know, I got to get a job. And so I didn't even have enough money to apply to teach wow. because they wanted, you know, you got to pay money for fingerprints and all that stuff. I'm like, Look, I don't even have that. So when I got, you know, uh, my first job was working with kids in foster care. Mm -hmm. And so helping them transition out to become adults and, you know, as I'm sitting there and I'm doing the work, like one thing that I realized was that, you know, I, I, I didn't see that as my passion yet. Right. But I could be passionate and show up every day and be passionate for those kids. You know what I mean? Right. And so it kind of just gave me this feel like, you know, yeah, I'm not signing autographs. I'm not doing this. But these kids hold me to a high standard. And I think that was the one thing that kind of set in was like, yo, they look at you like, you know, you you made it when everybody in your family, everybody around you is kind of like, hey, man, I wish you would have made it. You know, <laughs> and so I, I always kind of just stay close to the to the field and I grew in the field and then after a while 
you know, I started to realize that, you know, I am unique in, in, in what I'm doing because I was always the only male and I was always the only black male in every organization I was working in. And so right. for me, it was just like, you know, the expectation was you got to do more. You got to work with the worst kids. You got to take on more. You got to do, you know, more with less. And to me, it just became to the point where I started to burn out a little bit. So I wanted to, you know, make sure that I was putting myself in the right positions to to maximize not only my skill set, but also, you know, the, the passion that I had. Got you. Yeah. Kind of hitting on the, the stigmas. I guess I want to get back to the, the start of your career yeah. in social work. Obviously dealing with injury. With football, I think we all look at it as when somebody's injured, we say, hey, you know, we think of fantasy football. Oh, he's out. Let's just get a replacement. <laughs> or, you know, it's the, it's the nature of the game. That's mm -hmm. part of the game. Injuries is part of the game. Let's just move on. But nobody ever really focuses on the person that's injured. It's right. like everything moves on, and there's still this person that's injured. Right. Next man up. And right? there's a, I guess there's a mental struggle, obviously, with being injured and just yeah. not knowing, you know, uh, what to do next. So. Bring me back to that that part of Devin where yeah. he was like at, at this point where, hey, football didn't work, but now I got to go to the next level and that mental strain that it might have had on you. Ooh, man, that was probably, I would say, that defining moment, right? Mm -hmm. Because in my mind, I had to make a decision, and it wasn't a decision I had to make for anybody else. It was like a personal decision where I had to decide, are you going to continue to pursue football, like work out, try out, still do all that process, or you want to choose like fatherhood? And I, it, it was, you know, a lot of people say you could do both, but at the same time, I just, I didn't grow up with my father. So for me, I had made promises at five years old that I was going to be there for my son. Like all these different things that I said as a kid, I wanted to make sure that I, I made good on those promises. And um, at the time, as I kind of got into, you know, working and, and just being around my son full time, I was like, yo, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't happy with the life that I had. I was happy that I was, you know, just, something i was just being there like present. i was i yeah. was just present right and so um a part of me always felt like i was compromising myself but at the same time i don't regret it at all because for me it was that learning curve that everything is not always going to go your way but at the same time you got to learn how to do uncomfortable stuff you know what i mean you got to do some stuff that you don't want to do but it's necessary for you to do and uh that was that was the evolution of me at that point because you know I dealt with the depression I dealt with the anxiety and I didn't know that that was the stuff that I was dealing with for me it was just like man I'm just not in the mood I'm not you know I don't have no I couldn't watch football like mm -hmm. after I was done I couldn't watch it mm -hmm. I didn't want to be around it right couldn't coach it like everybody was like why why you don't coach I'm like dude y'all sorry man <laughs> right. that's why I'm not coaching that too but you know but a big part of it was that, you know, I just didn't have the identity anymore. Right. Right. So it was like I took that that uh, my, my ego was was uh, was fragile at the time. So yeah. it's like, you know, you walking around, it's like, well, what's the one job that I have that um, I received something back from? It? And that was fatherhood. Right. So it's like as me showing up as a father every day, my son receives that love. He, you know, gives it back to me. And it was like something that I could I could feed off of where everything else was just either taking from me or just wasn't giving me something back. So, mm. yeah. That's deep. <laughs> That's a lot. That is. So That's deep. the the role that you're in is not necessarily like um a normal role. Like not all NFL teams have that. Right. So, you know, to be able to have this is one is a big kudos to the organization. Absolutely. Is it something where you are working to create this role as you're working in it, or is it is it like a roadmap for something like um that's out there already? Yeah, so in my role, it's, it's more of I'm working under the vision of 
of my my boss, which is uh, which is Shannon Jordan, who is phenomenal. I mean, I love learning under her. She is a wealth of knowledge. But you know, when I interviewed for the job, it was really her painting her vision for me, and then me understanding how my skill sets work to, to make execute that it. you know that vision a reality. Oh, that's awesome, right? And so, I think that was. For me, it was important because I didn't want to come in and say, hey, you get free range to just do whatever because I don't know the organization. And the one thing that I, I, I didn't understand was that I didn't know the NFL the way that people think they know the NFL, right? So I know football. I know X's and O's. I can right. tell you what goes on in the field, what the coach is thinking. <laughs> right. But I didn't know what really took place in the front office. I didn't know how all those things work to make sure that a product gets put out there, you know, on that's not on the field, but sometimes all that backstory and all the back work that goes on. And so – you know, for me, when I got there, it was it was overwhelming at first. You know, I'm sitting in my first meeting. I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Right? It's a lot. And I, I thought and I had, during COVID, which right. is not a traditional way to onboard to a new role. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so, you know, all of that was definitely, um, you know, a part of that process. But it was it was definitely, you know, I always felt welcome when I came into the organization. I, it was just it was just like a family. So that automatically just became something that I was like, OK, well. At least I'm not in this alone, right? right. You know, I'm, I'm supported. I feel as though the people have the best interest for me, and they, they obviously have bought into, you know, the skill sets that I bring with me. So I always felt like that was, you know, important for me to have. That's dope, man. Yeah. And it's just showing just a lot of people are really just, I guess, organizations, right, NBA and NFL, are showing that that mental health is a really big component yeah, of what makes these athletes perform at a higher level. And you have um, – you know, like Brandon Marshall, Ricky Williams, even our own Liz Cambage, right? Like she, Paul George, <laughs> Paul George don't start with him. Damn, I'm going to need your help on that. We might have talked <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we can jump this. into that, yeah, but Paul it's just a, a focus in like how that mental aspect, you know, because you talk about people that compete at a high level. They even talk about having right. those coaches that they get into that mental game where they play it mentally. Right. So that's a big component about Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. And maybe that's what Paul, <laughs> Paul George. I, like I said, man, I'm going to need your help on Paul George, man. <laughs> I, I really am. Yeah. So, a lot with your with your role, it's it's about kind of building relationships, man. So, kind of what how how do you feel about just just not strategies of building relationships, but the importance of just building relationships in general of as a person, right? Um, and I think that that is the part that I was probably just I, I wasn't sure of how you know my position would come off to the guys that I was working with, right? I'm I was so used to working uh, previously with with young adults and and teenagers, you know, and I knew that I could use a lot of that to my benefit of just being who I am. Right? Right, so right. I could tell stories. I could, you know, do all those different things. You know, I could relate to them on the music and all that stuff. But uh, one thing I came in and I was like, you know, I definitely want to make sure that these guys realize that I'm here for them. Right. And it wasn't just a, a job. It wasn't just something for a career builder. Like it was I was going to show up every day and give them the best of what they you know, what I have. And, uh, you know, just coming in and and having conversations with guys and they just they just took to me right it's just like they they see you and they're like man like i you know i'll share a little bit of my story and they're like oh man you came through the organization like oh you play ball oh, okay right. right and it's just like man like and some of them i'll get on i'll get on the call and they already did their homework on me they're like <laughs> they're like yeah those rage occasions i'm like man yeah i'm like you know so <laughs> it, it, it's, it, you know to me that's the important part of my job the, the most important part of my job is those relationships because it's during those hard times where somebody can reach out to you and say hey listen i need to know about this for a family member or for myself and, you know, without that relationship, that person may hold off until it becomes something yeah. that I can't even, 
you right. know, where they're too deep in the right. hole, right? Exactly. So, you know, I think that's the part of the job right now that, you know, still in the early phases of that, making sure that we, we reach every alumni, but I want to make sure that I speak to every single one of them individually and have that, you know, that that's relationship awesome. with them. Yeah. That's awesome. That's big time. All right, well, we're going to get into these quick hits sponsored by Thick Fit. So when it comes to your health, it starts in the kitchen. Thick Fit Meal Prep is here to help you along the journey. They provide healthy, delicious meals that are easy, on the go, and fit everyone's lifestyle. Call 702 850 3388 or follow them on Instagram at Thick Fit Meal Prep. Use the code hashtag black and get an additional meal. And that's uh, Thick Fit Meal Prep. Go ahead, Miles. Hit them with them quick hits. All right, Devin. First time, if you if ever, that mm-hmm. you were starstruck. Oh, man. Randy Moss. This was in – I was in high school, and I was at – I think he was teammates. Oh, he was playing for the Patriots. Um and they had a camp in West Palm. It was Heath Evans, a fullback. Yeah. And he brought Randy Moss out there and Vince Wilfork. And I seen Randy Moss on the cart. Okay. And he was just driving. And he, he made eye contact with me. And he just, like, gave me one of them. And I was like, yo, that was Randy Moss. <laughs> like, so I think that was the first time I really got starstruck. There you go. You uh wine connoisseur kind of. So you like a sweet guy, wine, or are you, like, dry? No, I'm a cab guy. I'm a cab guy. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Top five. Florida ball players, ball born players. So this is like your Mount Rushmore of football, Florida guys from Florida. Ooh, God, five. I, I, that's this is a tough question. Okay, that's a deep. Well, you can I, put me on there. You can only need four more. I got, I got, I got five. Okay, so yeah, I'm, I'm a. Uh, I'm make I grew, sure you check them off. I, I grew up too. a hurricane. Okay. Oh, okay. put them in order. Yeah. No, man. no, you got to put them all. Okay. The, the Good name. man, all hurricane. Right. Well, there you go. Throw it n- that number <laughs> number one is gonna be Sean Taylor. Uh, the greatest football player I've ever okay. seen yeah. touch All a day. field. I'm, I'm, All day we with that. Yeah. Next. Uh, add that name, yeah, second, ooh, Ray Lewis. Yep. Easy one, yeah. I would say third. Ooh, the best that I've seen. It's going to be hard for me to pick a seminal. Uh, Deion Sanders. Yeah. I got yeah, to pick Deion on there. You have, to, you have there. to put him on there. I'm biased. I got to put Hester on there. I agree. And number five, man. A guy I think that doesn't get enough credit for who he was, Vince Wilfork, was one of the best athletes I've ever seen. Wow. I mean, the man is the size of <laughs> two refrigerators. So, um, yeah. It rocks overalls. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, that's the first image that comes to my it's, mind. Well, you see, that's Vince, exactly it. Yeah. Honorable, honorable mention, Ocho Cinco. Ocho? Yeah. So, we, I mean, we left off some uh, – Michael Irvin. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, this is your this is yeah, your this is your list, right. but <laughs> Michael Irvin. I mean, sure. Yeah, he's gonna, sure. he gonna, he gonna yell his way on the mountain. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, love one. or basketball or the wood? The wood. Yeah, okay, that's a good choice. Yeah. All right. Name association, real quick. So the first thing that comes to mind when I, I name off these words, okay. Father, love, football, passion, youth, important, mindset, everything. Woo! Let's go. I like that. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna jump right into the winner's circle, man. Here's this the platform where we get to talk about just the great things you're doing. What's next? Um, and you know, today you wanted to speak and you're rocking your wares, but uh, inspire you and uh, inspire youth. Yeah. So. Um, kind of get into telling us what those are. I'll let you start there. Yeah. So Inspired You is, is more recent, but I'll, I'll kind of 
talk about Inspire Youth. Um, okay. So Inspire Youth started three years ago. Uh, this was at the point where I had worked in all these different agencies and, and realized that I was, you know, being utilized for all the characteristics that I had and skill sets that I had. And I realized I couldn't maximize that working in an organization. And so I decided I wanted to start my own. Um, and so obviously everything that I was already doing was showing up in the work, you know, through the organizations that I was working for. But I felt like I didn't have, I couldn't market myself. I couldn't do certain things because of the organization. So um, I started it at the same time that I started my master's program. And so that was August of 2017. And so I told myself that while I'm in this master's program, this is going to be business school, right? You got to give yourself uh, the knowledge, the tools and everything to run an organization and build an organization. And so for three years, I pretty much did that where we were educating kids about mental health. And so uh, being non-traditional in the sense where I'm not speaking from, you know, the lens of a therapist, but I'm speaking to somebody with life experience, but also, you know, someone who's worked in the field and using, you know, the clients that I've had as well as their experiences. So um, I would do workshops. I would go out in the community um, and speak to, you know, the experiences. I would speak to parents um, wow. and just be a resource in the community. I, that was really the, the biggest thing was to be an advocate and, you know, to make sure that the kids realize that, you know, mental health is not something that, you know, we have to shy away from and not talk about. And so that was what I, you know, started. And that was like my baby. That was, you know, in my mind, I'm like 10 years from now, you know, we'll have all these different things in place and I can retire. <laughs> right. So there you go. That, that was the thinking going into it. Um, and then around the, the last part of last year, as I got closer to graduation, um, I just I, I wanted to get back into sports. And it was like I finally felt like I had something to bring to sports that I felt comfortable bringing that wasn't just, you know, as a coach or, or anything like that. And I was like, hey, if I could do something around mental health and athletics, um, obviously that would kind of restore my passion, right? Um, and I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, football was my first love and it, it became that girlfriend that broke my heart. And, like, you know, I still check for her, but, um, <laughs> you know, the relationship just wasn't there anymore. Right. So, you know, I kind of wanted to rekindle things. But it just didn't seem like I had any opportunities. And um, I wind up uh, going to a – I presented a proposal for a conference called the Black Student Athlete Summit. Um, it's a pretty dope conference. I think they're doing it virtually this year. And, you know, I wanted to present on post-transition sports depression, um, the experiences of athletes once they transition out of sports. And um, I wind up getting – 50 former collegiate athletes to fill out a survey to get information on what was their experience after they uh, they were done playing. And so I took that information, that data, and, and put it in like a, a poster presentation and presented it at the conference. And, you know, I went there independently, you know, on my own. All the other people were there with other schools, big-time right. programs. You know, they stayed in a nice hotel. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in my mind, I always was, like, telling myself, like, yo, something's going to come out of this. Right. Right? And I just didn't know what it was. I said, even if it's just, you know, acknowledgement, but something's going to come out of this. And I wind up the last day of the conference um, having to check out of my hotel. I get there late, and I'm at the wrong place like, uh, at the conference. And okay. this is at UT, at University of Texas. So their campus is huge. Huge. Massive. Yeah. And so I, I'm walking across the campus and, and I see this girl coming out at the same time. And she's like, hey, they moved the conference to the other side of the, the you know, the, the campus. And I'm like, I got everything with me. I'm like, oh. yo, God. <laughs> she was like, yo, I'll help you carry something. So I gave her the poster presentation. We start talking about that, you know, and I, I bring up, you know, my story or whatever, just 10, 15 minute conversation. And so from that conversation, um, you know, at the end of the conference, they had brought student athletes with them. 
I had some T-shirts I wanted to give out that I didn't give away, so I gave it to those student athletes and also uh, the, the the young lady. So her name is Kiera McClendon. Shout out to her. So I get home probably three days after I leave that conference was my birthday. So I, I went skydiving on my birthday, on, <laughs> and uh, I just wanted to do something that I felt like, yo, you got to just face fear at this point. Like yeah, everything. Uh, yeah. How was that? That's a different Capricorn gene because I ain't got it. Um, that was probably <laughs> – the most I never felt more alive in my life. It's a, it's See, a, that's it, what my homeboy said. That's something yeah. you have to do. It's it's something that it will <laughs> listen, no, man. It'll it'll have you, it'll push your mind to a different point because it was sitting on that plane and when we started going up, I just started sweating. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, yo, okay. And I would I, I advise you if you if you go jump first. Jump first because if you see somebody come out that plane and they disappear, it's like they just come out and, and they just gone. Go first. <laughs> so, go, so I was second. Uh-huh. So, so when I saw that so person, witnessed it. I saw, I mean, I'm scooting up. They moving me up and I'm like, all right. And I just see somebody just go out and they just disappeared in the cloud. I said, oh my God. And uh, yeah, I never felt more alive in my life. So when I landed, <laughs> the first thing I do is I go to my, to my car to get my phone and I saw a message from her and it was the job. She had sent me the job on Instagram. Uh, the girl that I met at the conference, she had messaged me the job. Wow. And was like, hey, I remember you said, you know, something about the Raiders and you're a social worker. This is the job. And I saw it. I just wanted to send it to you. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Full circle. Right. And so I'm like, you, you like you, you playing. And um, wind up, <laughs> I was supposed to go out that night. I wind up just filling out the application that night, redoing, like sprucing up my resume, doing a cover letter, everything. And I submitted that stuff. And, you know, uh, it was a long six month process because COVID and everything. Right. And, uh, you know, once everything kind of settled and, you know, I, I, everything just kind of worked. And I just had this feeling like, yo, I said, listen, if you don't get this job, it, it's like it, it can't be like it, it, <laughs> it doesn't exist if you don't get it. Right. Like they're going to have to pull the whole job out <laughs> because if you don't get it, then you know, somebody got to see you. Right. Like it, it, it's going to be tough. And, um, you know, to get that call, um, you know, it was like draft day. I was at my mom's house. And uh, it was like draft day eight years later. You know, I remember getting the call and I'm like looking at my mom like, yo, this this the call. This is it. And, um, you know, when they when they told me I got job like, okay, And it just hit me, man. And everything that either took place before then just all kind of rushed in. And, man, it was just one of those moments where, you know, to have that moment and celebrate it with my family. That was that was everything. Man, I got to salute you on that. A for jumping out that plane. But <laughs> more importantly, man, that's that's crazy how life works in this yeah. kind of full circle and it all wraps together, man. Yeah. I want to get into a broad kind of question because mm-hmm. you work with youth. Um, I had a, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher this a little bit, but I had a, I had a moment in seventh and eighth grade where I just my dad calls it do not. He says you do not play sports, you do not do homework, you do not clean up, you just do not. Right. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, I was in that moment. I just didn't do anything. Didn't yeah. talk to girls. Didn't do anything. Just didn't do anything. Yeah. Do not. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know what the label was for it at that point. Right. I didn't. Obviously, I grew up in the church. So it was like, hey, we're going to pray. Get on your knees. Correct. <laughs> right. So, like, I don't, I don't know if it was a, a, a mental trauma. I, I don't know. I, I grew up in a two parent household, whatever mm-hmm. the case. So I don't I can't put a name on it. Right. So mm-hmm. for dealing with young men, particularly black young men that maybe we just don't know how to voice that at, at an early age yeah. in life. How, how do you deal with that? And uh, it's so important to understand how, how important emotional language is. Right? right. And so 
that that taps into like emotional intelligence a little bit too, where, um, you know, I, I see clients on the side, you know, still on, on the weekends. I, I set time apart to make sure that I'm still available for, you know, black and brown kids like I, that or young adults as well. But, you know, for me, it's important because that was the reason I got started. And so right. I don't. I don't ever want to be in a position where I feel like I, I'm too big to do certain things. You know or I mean? abandon them, right? right. They, they have that feeling exactly. as well, right? Exactly. You know, that that's also a part of their, you know, a lot of their stories. So right. um, being able to, to verbalize what we're feeling is everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because if I can't put words to how I'm feeling, then it just leaves everything up in the air to like I can – Somebody could give me how I feel. Somebody could tell me how I feel. And so that's why when we hear a lot of young men talk about anger, it's like they're comfortable with that emotion because that's the emotion that everybody uses for them, right? So they embrace that. Like, I'm angry. I'm, you know what I mean? You tell me that long enough, I'm going to be angry, right? Right. And so understanding that anger is a secondary emotion. Like, it's not the first emotion that, you know, you're experiencing, like you're expressing because usually it's, there's either, like, shame or, you know, um, not getting a need that you really needed, like met, like all those different things that bottle up that turns into anger over time. And so, um, you know, when you have a, a, whether it be a father figure or somebody that you hold to a high regard, tell you things about yourself, especially when you don't have the identity to be able to say, Hey, like, I know exactly who I am. That's I'm, not me. Right. Right. Like, you know wow. what I mean? I can't, I can't take that information and say, nah, he's wrong. You know what I mean? It's going to leave an imprint on me. And that's the thing about, you know, negative bias is that, you know, the stuff that, is negativity seems to stick to us like Velcro, right? Yeah. I'll remember the, the things that somebody said negative about me. I want the praise, like you telling me how great I am and all right. that stuff. Like that's that's going to go over my head. It's like Teflon. It's going to bounce off. Like I don't I don't carry that with me. But it's the stuff that people said that were negative about me. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff that I sit there and, you know, I'm wrestling with. I'm like, yo, man, am I that person? Like, am I that? Yeah. Like, dang. So I think when, <laughs> young, you know, when young men, especially like when you're – you're shown all these different elements of manhood, whether it's from media, whether it's from your household, whether it's from the people social that's, media. Right, you know what I mean? Like you're trying to decide on what exactly are you trying to become? Right. And so when someone's trying to tell you who you are or somebody is like leaving clues for you to try to figure out who you are, it, it makes you feel confused. And so a lot of the young men that I work with, man, they had those experiences. And that was also my experience. You know, I was a late bloomer. I didn't understand a lot of stuff when I was in middle school. You know, going to class and everybody's talking, you know, they heard that ludicrous song. And I'm like, what What ludicrous song? You know what I mean? I'm, my, my mom had us listening to the Radio Disney and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm uh, listening to NSYNC and all this stuff. These kids over here listening to uh, Want to Be a Baller, Shot Call. I'm like, what song is that? And I'll never forget that. I was in fourth grade. I'll never forget this. I was in fourth grade. I was, I was a little husky. So I was probably like 115 in fourth grade. And I couldn't play with my weight class, like this is my first year playing football. So I wound up playing with seventh and eighth graders in fourth grade, my first year playing. And they had me at like fullback or something like that. I don't even remember what position I was playing. They was like, listen, when you go in on defense, go in the last part of the line. And then when you go in on offense, just get in the backfield, just move out the way, hit somebody. <laughs> and I remember being around seventh and eighth graders and their conversations were different. different like, yeah. I'm talking about Dragon Ball Z. They talking about, we, they talking about all kinds of stuff. And I'm just like, man, like, what are their parents like? You know, I'm thinking like, is this going on in their household? But it right. was their environment. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I I had an environment where my mom, you know, she did her best to protect us. Like, yep. you can't go certain places, you can't do certain things, and you know, for them, it was like, yo, exposure, exposure, exposure to everything that's around you. So, you know, for me, it was like that was my introduction into understanding like, oh, I'm raised different. You know yes. what I mean? But yeah. you don't understand it like that. You're thinking, no. oh, 
my mom is doing this or she's doing that. But in reality, that was her way of protecting and trying to For you sure. know keep I your understand. innocence Facts. in a way, right? Yes, good <laughs> yeah. stuff. So two things. One, um, so I saw on your website you had the the PS uh, the PTSD, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, you trying to coin a phrase? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you know, switch it up. Uh huh. But it's like a real thing. And, like, I understand that, like, a lot of athletes talk, have it. You know, we talk about yeah. it all the time, uh, me and MH, people we bring on the show. It's a definite, you know, issue. It's there. It's a concern when, when guys leave the, the game at right. all levels. Um, but the higher you go, the higher that risk is. So, yeah. um, how, you know, how are you, like, developing or understanding that? And what are some of the tools that you, you're using to um, to evolve that? Because, like, you were on this early on because you were talking about when you are going to, to – um, <laughs> To this, what was it the the black the uh, black student conference? Mm-hmm. You were already talking about that. So how's that developing? How are you helping people transition through that? It, uh, you know, it started from my experience, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't understand it to be what it was at the time because I didn't have that language to sit there and say, "Hey, listen, yeah. I think I'm going through a little depression." Like you know, at the time, I'm thinking, "All right, I'm stressed out from work. I'm stressed out from this. I'm stressed out from that." I'm thinking about all the stresses in my life, and I'm thinking all of this is just a, a combination of all this stuff happening at once. But it was really that I never was able to process the the fact that how football ended for me, right? Yes. You know, and I think a lot of guys, they don't ever take time to think about how it ended. Like, they know it ended. They remember, like, you know Come what I mean? Man. You don't know, it, 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 and it's a tough reality to it sit is. there and try to, you know, process. I'm laughing like, with you, man. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, something it, like that. It's it's tough, I'm right? still hurt. Right. And, you know, it's some part. Turn some, this game off. Right. <laughs> you know what? We made to put him on. We got the couch over there. Made I know there's a, some a little quick session yeah, to put him on the couch you know, a little bit. There's some ball on but, or something. But, man, it's a it's a tough reality. And so, you know, for me, I was I was isolated. Um, You know, I moved, I moved to uh, a part of, of Florida that I wasn't originally from, you know, to be with my son's mom. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were engaged. We were like 23 and engaged and all these different things that look good on social media. I, I won't lie to you. It looked good on social media. Right? <laughs> right. Right. But the reality was I wasn't happy with the idea of who I was becoming because I felt like I was 35 years old and I'm 23 and I'm like, what the hell is going on? Right. Like, you know what I mean? I'm trying to figure this out for like, myself. How did I get here? Like, right. what is this? You know, and, and because I always dreamed in these, in, in like visions, I always kind of saw myself in roles. And it was like the first time I didn't see myself. I, like I, I didn't recognize myself. And so, you know, I gained weight, all the different things that come with, you know, I ain't want to touch a weight. I used to get triggered. I go in the weight room and smell weights and it would just like trigger me. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was really like a PTSD. It was like I was traumatized by all the things that I had to do in the way that it was taken away from me in a sense. Right. And I think a lot of times that experience when when it happens to those players, it's like, how do I how do I normalize what I'm experiencing when nobody around me has done what I've done? Right. Right. Because the reality is everybody that knew me already had their mindset that, hey, when you go to the league, don't forget about don't forget me. me. You know, all the all the stuff that comes out, right? Right. And then when you're left with that experience, nobody's coming like, Man, how you doing without football? Like nobody ever asked me that. At all. Like, how you doing without football? Like, nah, like what you doing now? Oh, that's what's up. That's a good look. You know what I mean? Or it'll tell you some stuff like, you know, or, or pass you you know stuff like man i wish you would have made it bro yeah. man we we really thought you was gonna make it <laughs> boy. Me you, too. Right, right like you you had us going for a while like you know and and to me it was just like man it was like backhanded compliments in a sense right because it's like man like i grew up on section eight you know i'm, I'm one of six kids I, i'm not supposed to based on statistics i'm not supposed to be doing the things that i was able to do right but to me it was like 
everybody's not seeing that as enough. And so it challenged me to think, is it enough? Like, did I do enough? Did right. I did I beat the odds, really? And so right. I think it, like, challenges your narrative of what you believe. And so I think that was where that struggle was kind of, you know, it was definitely rooted in it was that. It was that. Man. So time flies when you're having fun, man. I do want you to kind of give up, you know, where they can reach out and learn more about, you know, the two branches. So go ahead and give uh, yeah. those websites and social media. We're going to put that in the show notes as well. Absolutely. So Inspire Youths uh, is uh, the nonprofit organization. Um, we also call it Inspire Youth Services, but Inspire Youth just is pretty much the umbrella of which we do all of the uh, mental health education for underserved communities. Inspire You is where we do consulting around mental health and athletics. And so, you know, really to just be able to go into whether it's athletic programs or, you know, uh, universities to be able to speak to, you know, the experiences around mental health and education around mental health for athletes, um, but really just to be an advocate and a, a resource for those communities. Oh, that's amazing, man. So like I said, we'll definitely put those um, in the show notes so you can reach out. And, and of course, you're at uh, NFL Social Work and, you know, all of that stuff's tagged as well. Yeah. All right, so now we've come to the assist. This is where you get to drop that coaching jewel or that nugget, uh, you know, words to live by. Mm -hmm. So uh, really quick, give us a quote, a mantra, or words you live by or something you would tell your younger self. And the one I'm, I've, I've been in my head for the last couple of days is that you don't have to know what your passion is yet to be passionate, right? Sometimes you just got to show up and be passionate. Like you'll never know what you wind up being on the other end of that because you decide that this is not your passion or this is not your lane. But if you show up every day and are just passionate about the things that you're doing, eventually your passion will sneak up on you and then you'll find it. So Boom. Yeah. There it is. Show up. I love it. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, like I said, time flies when you're having fun. And, you know, we want to thank our guest, man. Thank you for coming on, man. Appreciate y'all having me, man. Absolutely. Paul George at NFL Social Work. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to people for listening. <laughs> I hope you guys have fun. Please follow the show. Give us that feedback. Let us know who you want on the show. Uh, like the show. We're on. Uh, we're Black in Sports on all your favorite social media handles. And we are Black in Sports Podcast. Don't forget, every Tuesday we drop our short form, The Locker Room. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And just remember, stay safe, practice gratitude, and we're rooting for you. Screaming, all us blacks got is sports and entertainment until we even. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody in black. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody in black. Yeah. 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 Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black Spat bouts and racks on handmade new rags Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black That's everybody from sports to conscious class to